that's no moon. It's a space station. Let's dive into this. Uh, so, guys, you know, we just decided to cover the entire underground, which is actually impossible. Uh, you can pick any underground base that we that there is is publicly known or that there is a conspiracy theory on, and it can be an entire webinar in itself. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Any of the slides can actually be an entire webinar in itself. So we are covering the dumbs. We're going to start with the dumbs, and then we're going to go to the Agarthic network, and then we're going to move into Hollow Earth. And yes, the Agarthic network is different than the Hollow Earth. And you'll find out what that means once we get to that part. But we are going to focus on the dumbs first and the military side of things and some of the tunnel systems and stuff of that regard. So um, we will start there. First, we're going to start with a quote from Penny Bradley and the background I chose for this uh, quote is interesting. We've all seen the movie. They live. Everyone talks about the glasses and everything that happens in the movie. No one talks about the Andromedan jump room that they discover once they're underground at the end of the movie. And to me, this is such a key piece of information of disclosure in this film. This, this is a scene from the movie that we're looking at right here. And this is an Andromedan jump room that they encounter underground. So this was underground. But if you notice, it looks like they're looking out into space. So it's really interesting what this scene is telling us in the movie. And uh, I just thought it was interesting to add this to Penny's quote. So Penny's quote is, there are multiple domes in the Nevada desert doing massive research that is deeply classified and people are killed for discussing it. Every planet and most moons in the solar system are populated. Most have Terran post or full colonies, Penny Bradley. And I mean, that kind of sums it all up. Honestly, that's that sums everything up. There is so much more going on in our reality than we can even wrap our head around. Like even the diehard believers um, and, you know, all of us, like I think if we were exposed to the reality that it actually is existing beneath our feet, it would still blow our minds. We can talk about it all day long, but if we understood the magnitude of what's happening, um, I don't know if everyone's ready for that, but I am. I yeah, it's it also one thing to study this stuff and and have the head knowledge of it, and it's a whole other thing to actually experience it firsthand. <laughs> you know, mm. uh, even if you do know about things, like when you are actually experiencing something it, for the first time, it's going to be, you know. So right. like even when disclosure happens, like we all know about the different ET races and, all, and technologies, but when we're actually interacting with those ET races for the first time, experiencing the technology for the first time, that's a whole different ballgame and that, you know, right. We're all going to be blown away. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's move on. Oh, so we're going to play a video here for you now. Um, this is actually a news report that I came across, an old news report with George Knapp. And I just found it fascinating that this was even covered on mainstream media. It, it kind of sums up the dumbs and what's going on on this planet pretty well. Nevada has a reputation as a place where mysterious things are seen in the sky. But could it be there are greater mysteries literally right below our feet? Few states have as many underground tunnels and facilities as Nevada. 
The Channel 8 I team has been looking into some of these secrets of underground Nevada, and George Knapp is here with the story. I don't know how you found time to do this, George, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, thank you, Paula and Rory. Some of these tales are pretty wild, others tough to prove, but we found some verifiable information about real projects that are as exciting as anything in a sci-fi movie. On the big screen and in Nevada folklore, the granddaddy of all underground secrets is, of course, Area 51, where a vast subterranean complex supposedly plunges deep into the Earth's crust, hiding flying saucers and all manner of deadly technology. Tales of underground terror are as old as trolls or goblins or Satan himself. The new repository for folk tales, the Internet, has entire websites devoted to underground secrets. Supposed government maps detail a network of secret tunnels that stretch from Nevada to New Mexico and beyond. That's some tunnel. While it's easy to dismiss some of these ramblings, other stories aren't so quickly explained. In New Mexico, thousands of residents heard for years underground noises that came to be known as the Taos Hum, an electronic signal whose source was never uncovered. In Nye County, residents say they've heard noises like an underground railroad. The vibration, a roaring vibration. Something underground? Yeah, because... I can't, I don't know, like, I don't know where it's coming from, but it sounds really weird. The proximity of Nye County to some well-known facilities points a finger of suspicion at the government, and with some justification. The government has been studying underground technologies for decades. Reports obtained through the Freedom of Information Act show that as far back as the 50s, the government planned to build large secret underground facilities for use by the military. Media reports show the Reagan administration spent up to $8 billion on such facilities. Diagrams from these documents also note Nevada was considered a primary location for underground activities. I know some of the things that are out there, George. I'm certainly aware of uh, a lot of the uh, dozens, probably hundreds of miles of tunnels and, and shafts. That were Whiteman is president of the American Underground Association. He also works as an engineer on the miles of tunnels being dug into Yucca Mountain by one of the world's largest tunneling rigs. But how many secrets are kept in underground Nevada? I couldn't guess what else might be out there. Uh, certainly defense, uh, uh, the Department of Defense over the years has built a lot of underground facilities. That the Departments of Defense and Energy don't mind talking about some of these facilities. They even took us on a tour of a few tunnels that seemingly stretch on forever with their own railroads, passing by busy labs and ominous signs. Oh, I think this tunnel's probably five miles of tunnel in here, underground here. Of course, most of the underground tunnels at the test site were dug for nuclear testing. Such testing ended years ago, but the tunnels still bustle with activity. In fact, some new digging is underway. Tomorrow at 5, we'll tell you some of what the government is up to, and we will travel deep, deep under the earth. A lot of fun. It's kind of right. eerie down there. Yeah, it's, it's cool, though. All we'll right. see you Thanks, tomorrow, George. George. Okay. So, there you have that. Um, how do I get back to this? Okay. Um... I mean, that's incredible to me that, I mean, they just basically summed it all up. And there's still people that try to argue with you about this being a conspiracy theory. But even Wikipedia, I mean, everything on Google, they they share a lot more than you would imagine, just like the clones. Uh, it's pretty incredible what you're able to find once you start digging. And, you know, it's a lot of surface level stuff and it's kind of what they want you to believe. But 
it's still there. And uh, so, okay, that sums up the, the, I guess, the military bases and the tunnel network. And then the second portion of this, we're going to dive into the hollow earth. And this is a book that actually Jack Doubleday shared with me. And uh, it's incredible. I haven't gotten, I haven't had a chance to read the entire thing yet. Um, but it sums up, you know, the world inside. For thousands of years, many thinkers have believed in the existence of another world hidden from our eyes, yet beneath our very feet. Um, this hollow earth penetrates the veil of ancient secrecy to explode the fables and reveal the astonishing truth. Uh, so we'll go on to the next slide here. Aaron, do you want to read this one? This is this is actually um, from the book. Uh, I think this is like the first one or two pages. It kind of just sums up what's going on. Sure. Uh, the Hidden Kingdom, according to Buddhist doctrine, Agartha is a subterranean land located deep within the center of our planet Earth. The Buddhists believe that millions of people live within this underground paradise. Their lives and destinies are directed by an all-powerful and all-wise ruler who is known to them as the king of the world. The Buddhist religion is one of the oldest and most sophisticated in the world. So is the story of Agartha nothing more than a fable or is there truth behind the legend? Many people of different religions have strongly believed in a world within our world. Today, for example, many respected seekers after truth firmly maintain that the lost civilization of Atlantis lives on beneath the earth's surface how many of these subterranean worlds really exist the hollow earth theory is a mind-shattering proposal that there are gigantic holes at the north and south poles these polar openings lead to a vast unknown world inside the center of the earth some believers also claim that the earth is honeycombed with a vast network of subterranean tunnels that lead down to the inner world if that isn't enough to boggle your mind hollow earth enthusiasts declare that these interior lands are inhabited by giants fairies the wee people demonic animal men or a race of gentle advanced people. Depending on who you are talking to, these benign inhabitants inside the earth are said to be the survivors of Atlantis, Lemuria, or an unknown race. Certain ufologists have theorized that flying saucers originate from the hollow earth, piloted by intraterrestrials from the subterranean worlds. And this book was written in 1977. So this dates back, and it's interesting to me, a lot of the hollow earth material um, comes from the late 1800s and early 1900s and the smoky god was from the 1800s right yeah exactly and okay so i put this brooks agnew slide next um he spoke at our conference uh in may and he did a presentation on the hollow earth but he did it he approached it from a very scientific standpoint and he proves with data evidence and science that the earth is in fact not only a sphere, but it is in fact hollow. And they can prove this in a number of ways. And it's not what we've been taught. So if you're one of the people that needs the science and you have to see the data and you need something tangible to grab onto, I understand that. Um, that presentation, actually, I forgot to add that link, but that link to that presentation, I'm going to go ahead and put it under uh, this video. And if it's not under there afterwards, just remind me and I'll throw it in there. But um, for that reason, I put this slide. Okay, so who remembers the alternatives, alternative one, two, and three? So this was a science report that was supposed to air on April 1st of 1977. So and intended as an April Fool's Day presentation for Anglia TV and presented as an episode of the nonfiction science report. But because of a problem in scheduling, it is said uh, that it was presented on June 20th, 1977. 
So this alternative one, two, and three science report, um, no, everyone took it seriously because it it didn't get released on April 1st like it was planned. But I don't think, I think, well, first of all, we know that everything that is presented in these alternatives has actually already happened. So at this point, you, it's not even arguable. It, it really was fact. And this stuff actually did happen. Um, some of it's still debatable because not everyone believes or is awake to all this information. But let's go through these because alternative two is of note here. Um, alternative one, high altitude nuclear explosion consisted of detonating nuclear bombs in the atmosphere to allow pollution to heat and dissipate into space. Well, what this already had happened by the time this report came out, because because in 1962, Starfish Prime was a high altitude nuclear test conducted by the United States, a joint effort of the Atomic Energy Commission and the Defense Atomic Support Agency. It was launched from Johnson. It was launched from Johnston Atoll on July 9th, 1962, and was the largest nuclear test conducted in outer space and one of five conducted by the U.S. in space, the second and more popularly known being Operation Fishbowl, which many of you may have heard of. So that did happen. Obviously, that is believable, was believable at the time. Um, so that's why it would confuse people that this is supposed to be an April Fool's prank. Well, at least that's what they told everybody. And then alternative two, underground cities, a plan to construct vast subterranean habitats for the elite to escape to in the event of a global catastrophe. Now, we know that there have been ancient underground cities that date back, what, this one's 3,000 years. Um, yeah. If you want to read this blue part, you can. But this, so this was discovered a long time ago, but it wasn't made popular until the 70s by Eric Von Daniken. And this has been in Ancient Aliens and that stuff. But if you want to read the blue part, Aaron. Yeah, just the blue part? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was discovered accidentally when a man knocked down the wall of his basement. <laughs> that alone is insane. Right. That this was just discovered when a dude knocked out the wall of his basement. <laughs> Upon arrival, the archaeologists revealed that the city was 18 stories deep and had everything necessary for underground life, including schools, chapels, and even stables. Derinkuyu, the underground city of Turkey, is almost 3,000 years old and once housed 20,000 people. And look how intricate and deep that is. 3,000 years ago, right. they built that. Supposedly a primitive civilization. I'm yeah, sorry. located, located in... Possible. <laughs> exactly located in turkish uh cappadocia that is an advanced civilization that built that i'm sorry well, there's no other i read i read a comment that said um if you need evidence of ant people here it is <laughs> right seriously like yeah and that's, if you, that's and all you the evidence you need right look there. look down look at the bottom of the map and you'll see almost a pyramid looking thing like a step pyramid kind of on the right and then the left it looks like the washington monument or some sort of monolith yeah it's an obelisk it looks yeah like. obelisk i mean that's yeah. what i meant yeah um right and then in, in the very middle there even looks appears to be like a little step pyramid so we're talking about underground pyramids here uh whatever yeah. means they use to dig this um this is an advanced civilization so look at the surface now these are structures that we see all over the world uh, and, you know, a lot of these sites are closed off and whatever, but how many of them have access to tunnels and cities like this that um, we're just not the public isn't privy to? I think a lot of them do, actually. 
Um, because it wouldn't make sense. Sometimes they're built in the middle of nowhere, kind of like in Chaco Canyon. Like, why would they choose here? But if it leads underground, then, well, that's a different story. They, they choose the, the location for a very specific reason. It's probably because it it's for the energetic, uh, the energetic properties of the spot and probably because there, it leads to inner earth as well, I'm sure. Right. Um, okay. All right. So, so let's Jock, talk sorry, real quick, Jock Doubleday in the chat corrected he said the, the book this hollow earth was indeed published in 1977 but it was actually copyrighted in 1972 by warren smith which means that smith was researching and writing it probably as early as the late 60s correct but it's so interesting it's, it's interesting that it made it out in 77 the same year that the alternatives came out um, right right okay so lizard people's catacomb um this is a really interesting old report this is a uh tiktok actually from edge of wonder we're going to play because it sums up this. This is just another example of an ancient city or tunnel network underground. 34 LA Times article that specifically says lizard people's catacomb city hunted engineer sinks shaft under Fort Moore Hill to find maze of tunnels and priceless treasures of legendary inhabitants. G. Warren Schufelt, geophysical mining engineer, used cutting-edge technology at the time in the form of radio x-rays to detect minerals and tunnels below the surface. It turned up catacombs and vaults that made up a vast city. Schufelt met with a Hopi Indian, Little Chief Greenleaf, told him the ancient story of how an advanced race called the Lizard People had built a massive underground city using powerful chemicals instead of shovel. The Lizard People were highly advanced and incredibly smart according to the Hopi chief. Their city was built with an advanced type of cement stronger than anything modern people could make. So there you have it. Another example of an advanced race digging underground and using, like he said, an advanced cement, cement harder than anything we can make. Um, so alternative two talks about the underground cities for the elites, but they were already there. I mean, this is what I'm trying to show you guys. And I think the elites or whoever already knew this and they had access to this knowledge and probably access to some of the modalities and technologies they use to actually um, develop and dig out and engineer these cities. So it would it's not out of the realm of possibility that they were in fact developing underground cities in the 70s or even potentially er earlier. And then this is just an example to give you a visual. This is from uh, images provided by Tony Rodriguez. These are of the series colony. Um, the left is an AI image and the right is an artist image but uh this is what he remembers and this is this is kind of what i would expect to see in an underground city uh even here on earth um it looks it's it has everything that we would need on the surface just underground and housing hospitals restaurants even sporty sports arena stadiums parks everything uh and then this is from the show the expanse many people talk about uh, the underground cities having an artificial ceiling, uh, a ceiling with an artificial sky. And what's interesting in Vegas, if you've been to Vegas, there's that one mall in Vegas uh, that actually shows it has the same exact thing. It's an artificial sky and it looks pretty cool, actually. And then this is just another example of a salt line in a uh, salt mine in Romania that has been repurposed. Uh, but look what we were able to accomplish in the modern age underground 
Uh, this is impressive. If if this in fact was created by us, they might have moved into an ancient uh, mine. I mean, tunnel. Who knows? Uh, but this is just another visual for you guys. Um, and then alternative three: colonized space. A group of scientists and commoners kidnapped to provide personnel for a project to colonize the moon and Mars. This was presented on national television in 1977 on a science report. This is the part that most people had a problem with. They're literally talking about kidnapping people and to provide personnel for a project to colonize the moon and Mars or killed to prevent the leak of information about the programs. According to the teleplay, our moneyed masters see ET bases as the only escape from Earth, doomed by pollution and overpopulation, and they are fleeing to domed cities on the Mars and the Moon. Uh, that's pretty bold statement in 1977, but it aligns with all the secret space program stuff. And then. Um, this is a short clip from an Area 51 whistleblower who came out in 2008, and he talked about um, cities on the Mars, and he said there's glass-looking tubes on Mars that we that we did get a chance to see in some of the early NASA photos. He verified that those are real, but in particular, I just wanted to share um, what he says about um, the moon. And... It's interesting because he's stationed under Area 51. I think he said for eight years he uh, he lived there or worked there. And what he was privy to and what he learned about the moon and what's going on is interesting. So we'll go ahead and play that. I myself am a worker in one of the underground bases located near Groom Lake. I have done my work there for the past eight years. Uh, one of the last things that I will reveal, uh, and that is definitely a fact, and that I have been briefed on, and that many other people involved with the Black Op community have been briefed on, and that is our own moon, uh, which does in fact have alien bases on it, and also has bases from our own government. Uh, now, there is an ET presence which is primarily located on the dark side of the moon. The Apollo program was in all actuality a reconnaissance mission so that we could research what was exactly there and who. Uh, you will notice that many of the photos from the Apollo missions uh, have airbrushed out buildings and bases and this is the truth of the matter. Uh, about half of the video that that you will see that is document, documented from the Apollo missions uh, was in fact shot here on Earth at Area 51. In fact, if you look at satellite imagery, you can actually see what's left of a crater field uh, created at Area 51 that was used in the filming. Now, the, the, the truth is that most of the footage from the moon was simply cluttered with bases, with alien buildings, and from what one astronaut said, and I'm quoting, uh, what were constant a constant presence of alien vehicles flying over the surface, uh, cluttering up the footage. So again, they showed the American people what they could and recreated the rest uh, here on Earth that they couldn't show. Uh, from what we know, 
the dark side of the moon is where most of the alien presence is located. Uh, it, it's, it's a more primitive alien race from what we can see and our research tells us. Um, it's, it's more primitive than the alien beings you would see on higher dimensions, but still thousands if not millions of years ahead of us. Uh, now we have our own bases uh, which are primarily located in or near the Sea of Tranquility, which is the site of Apollo 11, and also one base that I know of located near the crater Sabine D. Uh, to this day, we are still sending secret missions to and from the moon. Uh, however, I do not know the complete details of what we are doing there. All right, and depending on who you talk to, all three of these alternatives have already happened. So I know the moon has nothing to do with the underground, but since we were covering the alternatives, that basically, if that whistleblower is legitimate, I mean, that proves alternative three already. So, um, and I think it helps, you know, uh, put out the argument that, you know, we never went to the moon at all, which is, seems to be very popular now. And this kind of explains it a little better. Yeah, there was real footage, but they staged the rest they couldn't show us. <clears throat> and then uh, we're just going to go through some maps that we found. Um, this is uh, all the green dots are major underground tunnel entrances. According to Andromedan sources of information, interestingly enough. Um, so one of the key things to note is that the ancient tunnel system is actually aligned or laid out in the shape of certain constellations orion and gemini and a few others around the world but particularly in particular the, the united states is orion um this is just another uh another map of potential tunnels i mean they're all over all over the internet it just you can probably just take a, a map of the u.s and just draw dots on it and you get pretty close um, this just so, shows high UFO activity, possible portal vortexes, uh, possible UFO bases, suspected inner Earth entrances. Uh, yet another one, another one showing uh, Orion and how the tunnel network is laid out like Orion to match Orion, which what does that tell you? Um, we know about the Orion Wars and the pyramids, they all align with Orion, even the underground tunnel networks. <laughs> This is just cattle mutilations compared to dumbs. Uh, same thing can be uh, shown with missing people. And uh, this is just yet another, another image of that. And then, okay, so this is just Wikipedia information. And on Wikipedia, they tell you that the deep underground military bases are, are for the most part, uh, handled by the Department of Defense. However, they do not control all of them. For example, a different department handles the Mount Weather Emergency Operations Center, which actually we're going to get into shortly. That one in particular is of interest right now because of the October 4th uh, emergency broadcast system alert that we're all hearing about. Uh, but the underground, this is what they show you on Wikipedia. Um, the Cheyenne Mountain Complex, uh, Chayeshin Air Force Base, Iranian underground missile bases, Raven Rock Mountain Complex, and they even what i found was interesting is the features so they say the natural features would be cave cenotes grottoes and sinkholes but civilian fe features would be basements 
burial vaults, boreholes, catacombs, dungeons, dugout shelters, dry wells, earth shelters, Erdstall, whatever that is, Fogu, hyper, I don't even know what some of these are, manhole, rapid transit, uh, rock cut tomb, root cellar, tunnel, utility vault, underground city, well, wine cave, secret passage, semi-basement, step wall, storm cellar, smuggling tunnel, ventilation shaft. Um, so they give you a lot of visuals here. They give you a lot. Um, and if you were to follow these related topics, even just from Wikipedia, this sends you down the rabbit hole. So it's interesting. Um, this is just another example. Aaron, you want to read through this top part? This just kind of, I was just surprised that they even mentioned this on, you know, our Wikipedia. Wikipedia, yeah. It's pretty shocking, actually. Uh, the Deep Underground Command Center, sometimes also called the Deep Underground Command and Control Site, was a United States military installation that was proposed on January 31st, 1962, to be a very deep underground center close to the Pentagon, perhaps 3,000 to 4,000 feet down, protected to withstand direct hits by high-yield weapons and endure about 30 days in a post-attack period. The DUCC would have been built as an austere 50-man or expanded 300-man version with the former built to permit expansion into the latter if desired. It was designed to withstand multiple direct hits of 200 to 300 megaton weapons bursting at the surface of 100 megaton weapons penetrating the depths of 70 to 100 feet. Based on Strategic Air Command's Deep Underground Support Center plan near the Cheyenne Mountain Complex nuclear bunker, the DUCC plan was recommended to President John F. Kennedy for fiscal year 1965, funding shortly before his assassination. But the underground DUCC, SACs, DUSC, it's a lot of acronyms here, and NORAD super combat centers were never built. I, you could stop there. I call okay. bullshit. I call bullshit on they were never built. Yeah, I'm sure they were built. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no question. It's that's such an easy way out, you know, and we, it's even... the classic mainstream. Oh, they stopped. Oh, they were never done. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, they tell you the exact plan down to the details. And I said, but it was never built, but, but they just, for whatever reason, decided not to do it. And we, we have even people like Sean David Morton talking about uh, Pentagon underground bases. And even he claims there's housing for extraterrestrials in underground of the Pentagon. Um, people, you know, that they're dealing with diplomats or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, um, I guess I can read this one unless you want to read this one, Aaron. You, no, you can read it. Uh, so this is from Brad Olson's book. And this is a great, again, a great synopsis of what's going on in the underground. <clears throat> For many years, there have been reports and rumors of a vast network of underground complexes and tunnels beneath the North American continent. Starting in the late eight, 1980s, uh, the American government has tried to deflect these rumors through a campaign of misdirection and misinformation. Now we know there are at least 1,400 of these deep underground military bases, dumbs worldwide, and over 130 in the USA, with two underground bases being built per year in the U.S. at the moment. The average depth of the bases are four and a half miles underground, some shallower, some deeper. The bases are on average the size of a medium-sized city. A nuclear-powered drill is used to dig underground. This drill goes through the rock at a tremendous rate of speed and literally melts the rock away to form a smooth glass-like surface around the edge of the tunnels. Now, that's not all of the drills. Some of the drills, uh, they have a number of different drills, and it depends on the yeah. corporation and how much money that group has uh, that's funding the project. 
They might be using a primitive technique to dig these tunnels, or they might have something so advanced that he's speaking of that it causes um, a vitrification process and literally does exactly what uh, Jack, uh, Jack, um, Brad just said. Uh, sorry, Jack, you're in the comments. You're on my mind. <laughs> that yeah. Brad just said about melting the rock to form a smooth glass on the surface at the edges of the tunnels. The largest facilities include Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado, Camp David in Maryland, Los Alamos Laboratories, connected to Dulce, New Mexico, National Security Agency, NSA headquarters at Fort Meade, Maryland, and the Federal Emergency Management Agency's FEMA Command Center at Mount Weather in Northern Virginia, just to name a few, but there are more than... Uh, 1,477 dumps worldwide that can be confirmed. And since the military was constructing more than two dumps per year in the 1990s, and since this statistic is over two decades old, there could be more than 1,600 dumps on Earth as of 2020. Some of the largest worldwide by size include Dulce, New Mexico, Breaking Beacons in Wales, Los Alamos in New Mexico, which is a base that goes two miles underground. It's the size of a small city. Pine Gap in Australia, which we'll get to a little bit later. The Snowy Mountains in Australia and the Nyla Range in Southern Africa, west of Kindu and the African Congo, next to the Libyan border in Egypt, Mount Blaine in Switzerland, Narvik in Scandinavia, Gotland Island in Sweden, and many other places. These projects are being run by secret, unelected, international governing body connected to the UN. So that was a mouthful, but um, thank you, Brad, for uh, summarizing all that for us. And I think a lot of that information comes from Phil Schneider, uh, which we will play a clip of him shortly. And then, all right, so I'm just showing this one in particular because we always hear about the Blue Ridge Mountains being a hotspot for paranormal UFO activity, all kinds of stuff. Well, the Blue Ridge Mountains just happen to be where Mount Weather is located. Well, Mount Weather is the emergency operations center and Mount Weather is a location of a control station for the FEMA National Radio System, a high-frequency radio system connecting most federal public safety agencies and the U.S. military with most of the states. FNARS allows the president to access the emergency alert system. So the only reason I bring this up is, for one, they actually show you the um, underground layout of what this um, known military base looks like and how deep it actually is. And two, if we get an emergency broadcast system, it's this is the specific base that it's authorized from. And who knows what's going to happen on October 4th. I know there's a lot of fear surrounding that. I'm not particularly worried. Uh, I don't believe Aaron is either, uh, but no, I just thought it would... <laughs> right. Not in the slightest... <laughs> so relaxed no not at all um Zero. but it is interesting if it is interesting to note and understand um where this order comes from in the blue ridge mountains mount weather you uh want to read this one Aaron? and that being said i am somebody that prepares for like i'm not like a super prepper but i'm prepared for things but i have zero fear and whenever i see a date put out you can basically automatically know nothing's going to happen when a date is put out in advance. Just right. Just FYI, everyone. Now, don't take the, those seriously. But the FEMA, so it is um, there. It is very likely that we could get an EBS alert, but it's not going to be the weaponized attack that I think that we're right. all being told. And the, right in October fourth 
um, is an interesting astrological alignment, which we just learned from Maureen Richmond. So it is a specific date that they're trying to utilize and take advantage of for some reason. Well, think something... about it this way. What if they want uh, the fear loose harvesting of everyone that's buying into that for that specific date because of the alignments and the uh, energetic stuff? Right, exactly. Right? That makes way more sense to me than anything actually going to happen on that date. Right. Anyways. Right. Yeah, go ahead and read this one. This is from uh, divinecosmos.com. This is from Divine Cosmos, which is David Wilcox's website. Uh, similarly, similarly, I can't say that word. We think the island continents of Europe, Africa, Asia, and the Americas are the only places on and and around the earth where any people live, where any people live. We do not realize how many more people surround us using various areas for living space and technologies to keep themselves cloaked from our sight. This includes, this includes as many as 2,500 different underground bases, often built into massive honeycomb-type limestone caverns deep beneath the Earth's surface. These caverns can be 20 to, 20 to 40 miles deep and miles wide, ready for mass habitation. And notice how the number of uh, bases changes depending on who you talk to. You know, 1,400, 130, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, I would I would say shoot high as far as if you're going to guesstimate how many there are. I'm sure it's well over. All right. So if anyone we've even heard, honestly, from any of these. Precisely. I, I agree. Um, if anyone remembers this episode we, we did with Derek and Daniel uh, from Shred the Veil. So their grandfather wrote the book Life with a Cosmos Clearance. And in this book, chapter 10 is specifically on secret, deep underground military bases. So Daniel M. Salter, the author of the book, had a Cosmos clearance, um, like above top secret. And he has an entire chapter, which I recommend. We're only going to read just a little bit here, um, just because we have a lot to get through. Uh, but it's interesting what he said. When I first saw the underground bases of Bataan, I was amazed at the different complexes, whole hospitals, headquarters for the entire staff, and quarters for personnel who manned the weapons. My friend Phil Schneider learned what he knew of such construction from the archives of Bataan and Hawaii, which is another place where there's a lot of uh, alleged underground tunnels and bases which enabled him to foresee and prepare for the future. But we never dreamed that the future would bring such underground facilities as the Dulce, New Mexico, Wright-Patterson in Ohio, Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado, Area 51 in Nevada, and others. This is where the storage of secrecy and back engineering of ET technology began. And this is coming from somebody with a very high level clearance in the military. Um, he is since deceased, but I recommend reading this book and he goes on to say, historically, whenever the U.S. found a reason to build an underground city or tunnel for whatever purpose, some part of the government or military would inevitably find a need for another. In the U.S., there has existed for many years a secret transit system for freight and passengers that far exceeds what we regard as a rapid transit. Underground shuttle networks crisscross beneath every state on an endless subterranean highway system. This network and its checkpoints even cross the oceans, becoming a worldwide network called the, the sub-global system. Using a maglev vacuum, travel takes place at Mach 2, twice the speed of sound. And we're going to actually get into this tunnel network in a few of the slides. Um, and sorry if we repeat ourselves, but um, it, each person has just a little bit different information. Um, you can read this one, Aaron. Yeah, so 
yes, I know the reaction a lot of people are having right now. Yes, it's Emory Smith. He's a controversial figure. He's there's some things that about him that, you know, it's a little iffy to say the least. That being said, Todd and I both believe he did actually work in an underground lab and his his general story is true. Uh, I think there is I think that is true. I think there is actually proof of that. Um set, setting the other stuff about him aside. So just to get that out of the way. Anyways, so Emory worked in underground bases in Cindia National Labs at Kirk, Kurt, that's Kirtland Air Force Base and Los Alamos National Labs. Uh, he claims to have autopsied about 3,000 different East ET specimens. Um, so he says he would be handed these little like, sand, he called them salmon fillets. They looked like a salmon fillet of, of a little part of a ET body. And then he would autopsy that. Um, so he said money is not used outside of our planet or the, you could say the surface level of our planet, not counting inside of the earth, hollow earth and stuff. Um, instead, it's the galactic trade involves resources, technology, DNA, uh, et cetera. So these ET bodies that he autopsied were actually part of our payment. They were given to us as payment by different ET races and we would give them whatever they wanted in return. And then we studied these bodies, tried to analyze them and uh, collected all the data from that. And I'm sure used the DNA from them as well. Um, who knows what else? Um, right. Yeah. And so that's Emory. And he says that he, you know, he started off getting the samples. Eventually he there was getting full bodies and that's all part of his, you know, testimony, but right, right, right. Exactly. Moving on something else he said, you know, hiding in plain sight. So, and we're going to get into this. This is an interesting part. So according to Emory Smith, underground bases are owned by corporations or unknown entities. The military simply guards these facilities. Some bases are in such remote locations that they do not need guards present. They are guarded through satellites and other technologies. Typically to enter an underground base, you have to enter a really secured lab or a really secured corporation or a really secured military installation to access the underground. Depending on where your entry point is and depending on the type of base it is, some of the most common ones, like the one I was stationed at, at with Kirtland Air Force Base, was basically a fire tower that you would never even think would be an access point. And these areas too, they do not have like parking lots in front of them or anything like that. You usually have to walk through many different posts, but since this was already on the base inside another base that's there. So you're going through two different types of security. So first you have to get on the military base, number one. And then once you do that, there's another even more secure base on there with fences and their own security teams. They're not military. And these are private corporations that I spoke of that are running these things. So this just shows how compartmentalized it is. So even the people on the military base, you can go interrogate somebody and they might not have any idea or like, we don't have jurisdiction over there. That's, you know, like you just said, a private entity, a private cor uh, corporation organization. And hiding in plain right. sight. So one of the theories is, is that these windmills are actually powering underground facilities and not providing power for anything else. Uh, and if you, drive around the country you will notice areas like this where you'll just see these things pop up on a mountain range and out there's of nowhere no, out of nowhere there's no power lines connected to them nothing and i witnessed this on my way to new mexico in alamosa colorado there's an exact example of this there and i found out later that there in fact is an underground base there so what does that tell you these things um 
might be providing power for underground installations. And I think that might be why Trump was is so against them, because he knows that these are powering the elite cabal, deep state underground cities, in my opinion. And I think that's one of the reasons he's against these. So trigger alert. I said Trump. Sorry. Um, this is another thing to look out for. Almost especially in New Mexico and Arizona, every mountaintop you you see, even in Colorado, they all have towers like this on top of them. And that's another indication that these aren't just satellite towers, but these are communications towers for the base um, below. So if you're looking, if you're driving across the country and you want to know where these bases are, you know, look for things like th these windmills, look for these towers on top of mountains. Uh, this is another example of a little shack on top of a mountain. Who knows where that leads? Uh, you know, I just found this image on Google, but still. Um, this is another description we've heard from whistleblowers, just random shacks and trailers in the middle of the desert that look completely insignificant, but they actually lead to an underground facility. Were you going to say something, Aaron? Uh, we saw those in not too long ago in New Mexico driving around. We, we were actually joking about it. We're like, who live? Who would live in this little tiny little house or tiny little shack? Like, what's this tiny little shack in the middle of nowhere? Nothing around it. Um, right. So the, maybe those were something. Who knows? Exactly. Um, this is really interesting. So if you guys seen the Batman movies, The Dark Knight, I think the second one, uh, they go into a shipping container under a bridge in the middle of the city, and there's an elevator in the shipping container that takes them to an underground facility. So these things are hiding everywhere. And in my opinion, that's disclosure. So we are driving past entrances to underground facilities every single day. I guarantee it. Uh, abandoned malls. Yeah. Abandoned malls comes up in all the, not all, but tons of SSP testimonies. And I think that they stay abandoned for a reason because it's a perfect place to hide things. And Andrew Bashago actually kind of talks about some of that, but he talks about schools. Abandoned schools are used for the same thing. And this is an old abandoned school I found. So when you're driving past this stuff, just, you know, think twice about maybe it's not actually abandoned. Uh, who knows? And then this is the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. They actually visited um, in just a couple months ago, whenever the hell it was. Uh, I visited and I actually had a full body reaction recall when I went to this facility. I, I don't know if I told that story. Um, actually, I don't know if I told that full story yet. Um, it's But I, I broke down in tears, actually, because I had remembered being at this site. And it was a very interesting trip. And... I'm pretty sure somebody was following me, but I, maybe I'm just being uh, paranoid. But either way, as soon as I pulled onto the base, I, I remembered this and I saw this. I'm like, oh, this is so these colors that you see here, this is an indication that this is also an underground base. And we know this because any of the whistleblower testimonies talking about the underground bases talk about the stripes on the floor. And each stripe leads to a different security clearance, a level of rooms or of different security clearances. And these are the specific colors that are described, uh, red, gray, yellow, and blue. So you literally pull up to this uh, Air Force Academy and they're showing you what they're, you know, telling you without telling you that this is also an underground facility, which we can basically assume any of the underground bases are. Um, okay, so employee access. I found this part particularly fascinating. Um, 
some of the information I came across about how people are accessing these. I know we just kind of talked about it, but we'll breeze through this. Um, metal detectors that read vitals, like Daryl James talks about IQ and memory wipes. Employees quit due to frustration of not remembering their workday, meaning that you, when you go through these metal detectors, um, when you walk into work, um, it basically, I don't know what it does to you, but you remember what your job is at that facility, like Area 51 in particular. Once you leave back through that metal detector, it memory wipes you and you don't remember your workday. And we've heard whistleblowers and people talk about this and people would quit or even commit suicide over this because it would drive them insane that they can't remember what they were doing. But that's part of the agreement to work at these underground bases. You some cases, mm -hmm. in some cases, you're literally mind wiped every day. As it's the ultimate security that you don't talk about what you're doing because you don't even remember it. Exactly. There's actually and there's actually a show on, I believe, Apple TV called Severance that is basically disclosure for this. Um, Tyler, you know about that show, right? What show? Sorry. Severance. It's oh. so in the show Severance, uh, it's about these employees that um, they get mind wiped or they get split into two different, basically, I guess, consciousnesses where one only only experiences the workday and only has those memories. And then the other one only experiences outside of work and only has those memories. Right. I, did, I don't know if I've seen that, to be honest, but it, it you, makes perfect sense. Yeah. You need to watch it. Yeah, it's total disclosure of, of all that stuff. So moving on, a new security badge every day. The old one is discarded. We'll get into that a little more in the next slide. A scale at every doorway. Anything over a three-pound weight change requires a scan. This This just ensures that no one's smuggling things in or out of the base basically so they weigh you every time you go in and out of even every doorway every room not just the base um, according to certain whistleblowers elevator keys that allow seemingly normal elevators to access lower unknown levels such as if you're in a hospital and you you're going down that elevator might go much deeper uh, but you have to have special access card or whatever and even the employees wouldn't know that 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 uh, elevator goes down to further levels, deeper levels. Um, you've seen in the movies, I've heard from people say this, bathroom stalls have hidden doors, like it, just in random places. Like, I think this world isn't what we think it is. And there's a world within a world. And this is a perfect example of that. The holographic mountain and wooded entrances, blue beam tech. Um, sometimes there might be a entrance disguised by hologram technology in the middle of the woods. And if you're walking by, you're just going to think that you're looking at the woods. Same with the mountain. It could be mm -hmm. a gigantic opening, but they have a holographic overlay of a mountain, so you, you don't suspect anything. Hotel access points to Hilton and Marriott jump rooms, um, just kind of like we talked about with they, li they Live, the Andromedan jump rooms, jump rooms, I can't talk. Um, portal access is the same thing, in my opinion, a jump room is a portal. And then authorized vehicle only, desert roads that lead straight underground, which we've seen those. This is three examples of how you would just drive straight into these facilities that go underground. Okay, so this book, you can't see it because I'm so small on the screen, but it's a gigantic textbook of yeah. whistleblower accounts from the Dulce base and other bases, but primarily Dulce. And one of the main testimonies in this book is Thomas Costello, which we'll get into him next. So if you want um, to know about Dulce, 
that is the only book you need. <laughs> yeah, you don't need book. anything else. This has everything. And when you do find something online, it's also in this book. That's what I've discovered. Yeah. Um, including the John Lear report, a portion of his reports even in this. Um, so, well, I forgot where I was going with this now. Um, not only Thomas Costello is the only whistleblower in that book. There's a lot of anonymous whistleblowers, ex-employees and people who have come forward uh, claiming what's down there. And we're going to spend a little time on this space because it's fascinating and it's one of the most popular, largest ones that we always hear about. Um, you want to read this, Aaron? Yeah, so he so he was a security officer, apparently, in Delta. Yeah. So Delta Base is an alleged secret alien underground facility under Archuleta Mesa on the Colorado-New Mexico border near the town of Delta, New Mexico in the United States. According to Thomas Costello, a former Delta Base security officer, this particular underworld city is a highly secret base operated by humans as well as reptilian aliens and their worker cast, the commonly encountered gray aliens. Yeah, and, and then the bottom part. And then uh, the following is a list of questions that were directed to former Dulce Base Security Officer Thomas Costello approximately a year before his death or disappearance. They are followed by his responses. So he mysteriously either died or disappeared shortly right. after disclosing this stuff. So that's not a coincidence, I'm going to say. And so, and here, this is a, a bit of a Q&A from him. This is information from him. So uh, badges or cards never leave the bases. All the exits have bars or walls of metal. To open, to go out requires using the card. But when you use it for an exit slot, the card won't come out. Each time you leave the base, you are issued a new card with all of the usual data about you, plus your weight added, corrected daily. There are several mines in the Chocolate Mountains that open into a base highway, but be aware that they are patrolled regularly by the cameras and, or, and there are cameras there also. Um, there is minimal security on the surface. Most of the men and women are Air Force or highway crewmen. This part I found interesting. There used to be a Best Western motel that hosts or hires a lot of the base workers from level one. I don't know if that motel is still operational. Most of the security force uh, live in Santa Fe. Others live in White Pine, Los Alamos. So that's really interesting. He's talking about a Best Western motel. Again, the people drive by every day. It's literally a recruitment station, a hiring station for people working at the Dulce base. And you would never know it. And we see this in, in any of the CIA movies that we see. A lot of these shell companies and organizations and businesses, um, you know, false LLCs and stuff. They create these businesses as a guise. So you've seen the movie where the guy walks in like Men in Black. Um, it might be a jewelry store, but he's actually an arms dealer and all the stuff flips over. Like that type of stuff is real. And this is also a, an example of that at Best Western Motel. Question. Are there security sensors? What type? If so, what is their power source? Answer. Yes, there are many types of sensors, radar, infrared, heat sensors, microwave, EMGW, whatever that stands for, electromagnetic something, I'm sure, um, and satellite. Most of the sensors are powered by magnetic power. The only thing you may notice on the surface would be an occasional satellite dish. So there you go. The satellite dishes, you know, that just sit up on top of those mountains. Well, here he is literally telling us that's exactly what you would see if there's something below no one has a name 
When first brought to this facility, they were issued one large number. Usually that code has a mixture of numbers and letters. They show the place, how, and by who, followed by the time, age, sex, and finally the personal personnel number or their social security number. For example, it might look like this, and it's a long series of letters and numbers. The human workforce is made of people from every nation on the surface world. The one thing they share is that they all speak English. You want to read this one, Aaron? Sure. This secret society, secret government base in the Southwest is no doubt the very same Dulce facility, which we have been exposing throughout this work. Secret societies, if not secret agencies, have their own symbols or emblems. The symbol for the Dulce base that is worn by many of the workers there consists of an upside down or inverted triangle or pyramid with an upside down T superimposed over it, as shown in the graphic file at the beginning of this series of files. And I show this because we hear people get their memories back and they, they'll remember a specific badge or a patch or something from a uniform, but they don't know what it means. So if anyone out there yeah. has ever had any recall and they've seen this patch, this is a Dulce pass patch. So that means that your recall would probably be from this facility. Um, and then we're going to get into the subglobal system and we'll get back into the Dulce in a little bit. But uh, we talked about this, but we'll go through it again. Uh, subglobal system question. Are there other sites tied into the into the shuttle network other than those which you mentioned and if so where are the entrances where everywhere they crisscross the world as an endless subterranean highway like a freeway except this one is underground the subterranean highway is american is in america, in america. sorry i have my stupid zoom boxes blocking the text <laughs> uh, the subterranean highway in america is like a freeway except it's underground that highway depends on electric motors for trucks, cars, and buses for the paved roads, and it is for limited travel. There is another style of transit for freight and for passengers, that is for rapid travel. That worldwide network is called the subglobal system. It has checkpoints at each country entry. There are shuttle tubes that shoot the trains at incredible speeds using a maglev and vacuum method. They travel at a speed that excels the speed of sound, Part of your question involves the location of entrances to that base. The easiest way to answer is to say that every state in the USA has them. Frequently, the entrances are camouflaged as sand quarries or mining operations. Other complex portals are found on military bases. New Mexico and Arizona have the largest amounts of entrances, followed by California, Montana, Idaho, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Kansas, Arkansas, and Missouri. Missouri even made it on the list, and I knew that. Um, of all of the states, Florida and North Dakota have the least amount of entrances. Wyoming has a road that opens directly into the subterranean freeway. That road is no longer in use, but could be reactivated if they decide to do so with minimal cost. It's located near Brooks Lake. To me, this is like gold information, getting this firsthand knowledge from these people. Um, I, I love it. And it, you know, some of these details, you know, these people aren't making this up. You could just, you can feel the truth in it. So, um, yep. Oops. Go back. You, um, you can read this one, Aaron. This is really interesting. I think tunnel network access, different sources claim that one must be a very high ranking Mason corporate intelligence agent or native sub Terran to gain access to the sub global system. 
There are several access terminals in North America and elsewhere where identification must be provided. However, according to Albilic and others, when one has passed the security checks, they're free to go wherever they please in the subglobal network. And the inner dwellers just generally assume that if one has made it that far, then they more or less have authorization to be there. Many of the residents of the underground, whether extra Terrans, subterrans, or visitors from the surface, are tied into a collective mind or group intelligence matrix called the Ashtar or Astarte network, which has its roots in the underground systems below ancient Egypt. It's interesting, right? Roots below ancient Egypt. And, you know, Ashtar is one that's been around forever. And um, I know there's all, you know, sorts of controversy around Astar Command and everything like that, but it's comes from somewhere, right? Yep. Uh, this is just a quick video of the boring machine in use. It's kind of a loud song, so I apologize. And that was it. But still, there's um, <laughs> this, you know, Underground tunnel machines aren't true. Meanwhile, you know, it's funny. Just as an example of right. um, them in work. And then here's a bunch of examples. This is one by the Air Force. This is a lot of people have seen this photo. Um, just some of the boring machines. Now, th this would be the more primitive technology. Uh, they're not going to show you the advanced stuff on Google, obviously. Um, just examples of what some of these tunnels look like and the construction process. And then I provided these just to give you guys visuals of what some of these mountain bases might actually look like. Um, you know, this series of ventilation shafts in here, there's a cinema, a store, a hospital, vehicle bays. I mean, you name it, you know, this is everything. Um, and North access. So if you look at the very bottom, there's a tunnel that just goes off screen here. I know this is an artist depiction, but again, look at the top of this mountain a satellite tower providing power communications for the base. Uh, just another example of that. And just some more visuals for you guys. What might be inside these mountains that we drive past? Um, I know these are a little blurry, but um, that you can still tell what's going on. And then Phil Schneider. You want to read this one? Aaron? Sure. So this is Phil Schneider. Below are eight key messages from Phil Schneider's 1995 speech. According to Schneider, by 1995, there were 131 active secret underground bases in the U.S. and about 1,477 underground bases worldwide. Each base costs an average of 17 to 19 billion dollars in 1995 money. So just imagine now what they cost. And I mean, even that is astronomical. And took one to two years to build using advanced construction techniques including vitrification and rock melting using lasers. Schneider stated that these bases are huge and contain thousands upon thousands of soldiers and service personnel. Magnetic levitation trains connect all bases in the U.S. and a huge transportation system capable of incredibly high speeds. He claims there's a whole other world down there filled with both human and ET life forms. Area 51 is actually a complex of nine deep underground bases home to more than 18,000 workers whose lives are highly regulated and completely classified. Highly regulated. These people that work at these bases, they don't have a life. Um, I've heard from the Billy Woodard testimony. He describes, you know, his interactions with some of the employees that have been there for a long time. They haven't seen the light of day. 
Um, they're miserable. They're stressed. It's really um, sad. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not like, oh, cool. I get to work at this secret facility. I mean, I guess depending on the clearance you have and you're not down there like a prisoner. Um, like a slave, right? Right, exactly. So uh, we're going to let Phil tell us about this stuff in this next slide. Our black budget, for instance, garners $1.023 trillion every two years. It's over $500 billion a year. Right now, there are 131 active deep underground military bases in the United States. There's 1,477 of them worldwide. Each one has an average cost of 17 to 19 billion dollars. Each one is uh, built in the site, uh, oh, it used to be, it'd take a year to two years to build each one, and now they're capable of building a couple of them a year uh, with sophisticated methods. Now, uh, my colleague uh, Al Bielik has actually been on some of the high-speed railways, uh, the magneto-leviton trains that connect all the deep underground military bases within the United States. He's been on a Mach 2 train and floats off of, floats off of a single rail at a, a three-quarters of an inch off the rail and is uh, what you'd call high-tech. We have nothing like this on the surface. Uh, the public basically has been totally lied to. We're considered stupid or even moronic in some cases. Uh, it's got to stop. Groom Lake is where the infamous Area 51, S4, S2, the CIA base, uh, uh, it was originally a bombing range, a nuclear test site. Uh, it was later become the most secret base in the United States. Um, it employs over 18,000 workers who work in shifts of 12 hours a, at a whack. Most of them work in the cover of darkness, like us. We built out nine underground military bases there, each with an average uh, uh, capacity, capable of basically a city underground, roughly four and a quarter cubic miles hollowed out underground. They have boring machines, for instance, now, boring machines, for instance, they don't bore. They literally vitrify and melt the rock, deflagrate the rock. It's a very sophisticated laser uh, uh, melting and deflagrating system. It reduces the rock to a powder and then melts the, the remaining rock as a coating on the inside of the base so you don't have to use gunite cements and other kinds of things like that. That's all, the, all old hat now. Uh, technology is just basically the new technology we get is the old hat of the military. I'm going to be real brief about it. I carried a level one security clearance, the Riley 38 factor. There are very few of us. There's nobody except myself, to my knowledge, talking like this. <clears throat> nobody. I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking world as well as federal law, coming out and even talking about this to a group of people. I love my country more than I love my life. Two weeks ago, I was shot in the shoulder. And I have actually, that's another one I need to add. I might have added it. Um, there's a ton of links under this video, guys. Um, basically, any of the interviews that we show clips from, you're going to find that link below. So this I might have forgot to add this one, but I will add it. Uh, and then this is the artist's depiction of the Dulce 
you know, what happens in these levels, security, communication, human, staff, housing, execs and labs, level four, mind control experiments, um, level five, alien housing, level six, genetic experiments, level seven, uh, cryogenic storage, and then it shows this the shuttle to Los Alamos. And this is just a Google Maps image of Dulce, Dulce Base, in case you have never seen it. Um, okay, so this is Con Thomas Costello again asked, who built Dulce? Uh, by whom was the Dulce installation originally constructed? Nature started the caverns. The Draco reptilian humanoids used the caverns and tunnels for centuries. Later, through Rand Corporation plans, it was enlarged repeatedly. The original caverns included ice caves and sulfur springs that the aliens found perfect for their needs. The Dulce Caverns rival Carlsbad Caverns in size. Note Carlsbad Caverns and especially the adjacent uh, Lechegua Leche, 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 Leche Caves are officially among the largest and deepest in the world with several leads that remain to be explored by professional spalionauts. Um, that's from that's his note from the author, Branton. Um, the references to the Dulce base here deal mainly with the upper levels, not the extreme lower levels, which include vast natural caverns and some believe very ancient tunnel systems as well. This would include the tunnels illuminated by a phosphorus pentoxide, which the alien greys avoid and the origin of which is unknown. So I included that part because we always hear about the lighting and how these tunnels are lit. But this is exactly they're telling us whatever phosphorus pentoxide is. Um, it's actually illuminating the tunnels, but more interestingly, in my opinion, is that the grays avoid this. Um, I wonder if there's a reason that this was developed as some sort of weapon to keep the grays away by, you know, the certain groups of draconians. I mean, who actually knows, but it's interesting. <clears throat> um, you can read this one if you want, Aaron. All right. The Dulce Base by Jason Bishop III. This facility is a genetics lab and is connected to Los Alamos via a tube shuttle. Part of their research is related to the general effects of radiation, mutations, and human genetics. Its research also includes other intelligent species, alien biological life form entities. The Dulce facility consists of a central hub, the security section, also some photo labs. The deeper you go, the stronger the security. This is a multi-leveled complex. There are over 3,000 cameras at various high security locations, exits, and labs. There are over 100 secret exits near and around Dulce, many around Archuleta Mesa, others to the south around Dulce Lake, and even as far east as Lindreth. Deep sections of the complex connect into natural cavern systems. A person who worked at the base who had an Ultra 7 clearance reports, there may be more than seven levels, but I only know of seven. Most of the aliens are on five, six, and seven levels. Alien housing is level five. And this is an interesting claim from Max Spears. So according to Max Spears, who claims to have been taken to the lowest level of the Dulce base, he said the lower you descend into the facility, there are symbols on the walls of each level that deprogram you floor by floor. By the time you get to the bottom, you remember everything you need to know. You are then reprogrammed or memory wiped on the way up before you return home. But he said it's just done through the symbols subconsciously. So symbols like these would be on each floor. 
and whatever frequency, whatever it is doing to the subconscious mind, um, you gain your memories back as you go down. And then he said, you know exactly what you're doing. You remember everything. And then by the time you get back to the surface, you have no memory of it. Um, this is just another example of uh, utilizing mind control technology to keep to maintain the secrecy. Um, so this is another excerpt from the Dulce Protocol. The various parts of the body are taken to various underground laboratories, one of which is known to be near the small New Mexico town of Dulce. This jointly occupied CIA alien facility has been described as enormous with huge tiled walls that go on forever. Witnesses have reported huge, vat, huge vats filled with amber liquid with parts of human bodies being stirred inside. After the initial agreement, Groom Lake, one of the nation's most secret test centers, was closed for a period of about a year, sometime between about 1972 and 1974, and a huge underground facility was constructed, and with the help of the EBS, which is the ETs, the Greys, they bargained for technology. Um, the bargain for technology was set in place, but could only be operated by the EBS themselves. Needless to say, the advanced technology could not be used against the EBS themselves if needed. So um, that's just an interesting tidbit of information. During the period between 1979 and 1983, it became increasingly obvious to MJ-12 that things were not going as planned. It became known that many more people in the thousands were being abducted than were listed on the official abduction list. In, in addition, it became known that some, not all, but some of the nation's missing children had been used for secretions and other parts required by the aliens. In 1975, there was an altercation of sorts at the Dulce Laboratory. A special armed forces unit was called in to try and free a number of our people trapped in the facility who had become aware of what was really going on. According to one source, 66 of the soldiers were killed and our people were not freed. Um, the abduction thing that comes from the Greta Treaty um, from Eisenhower, allegedly, you know, allowing them to abduct humans in exchange for advanced technology. But I don't think humans actually have much of a say so in that agreement. I kind of think it was all uh, forced upon us. Yeah. <clears throat> you can read this one if you want. This talks about a little bit more about the Dulce Wars. Yeah, this is the famous alien war, Dulce, that many of you probably heard about. Um, it was when Thomas encountered humans in cages on level seven of the Dulce facility that things finally reached a climax for him. He says, I frequently encountered humans in cages, usually dazed or drugged, but sometimes they cried and begged for help. We were told they were hopelessly insane and involved in high-risk drug tests to cure insanity. We were told never to speak to them at all. At the beginning, we believed the story. Finally, in 1978, a small group of workers discovered the truth. That began the Dulce Wars. Interesting. Um, oh, so this, this kind of explains what's going on at each level. Incidentally, the interleaking underground systems conversing below Dulce, New Mexico, have been described only in part with this and other related accounts. Those sectors of the underground that are forbidden to most humans and are under reptoid control are, of course, of course those areas that we know of about the least. Level six is privately called Nightmare Hall. It holds the genetic labs. Here the experiments are done on fish, seals, birds, and mice and are vastly altered from their original forms. There are multi-armed and multi-legged humans in several cages and land vats. 
several cages and vats. That's supposed to be and of humanoid bat-like creatures, deceased Mothman, or those creatures that John Keel refers to in his book, The Mothman Prophecies. Up to seven feet tall, the aliens have taught the humans a lot about genetics, things both useful and dangerous. Tell, um, which I forgot who that's referring to in the book, then describes someone or something which might seem unbelievable if it weren't for the fact that dozens of other sources have seemed to confirm it. This this discovery was reportedly one of the real reasons for the uh, incitation, incitation of the Dulce Wars. Level 7 is the worst. Row after row of thousands of humans and human mixture remains in cold storage. Here, too, are embryos of humanoids in various stages of development. Also, many human children remain in storage vets who are or were these people. My sources of information include people who worked in the labs, abductees taken to the base, and people who assisted in the construction intelligence. Um, I know that's some dark information, but, uh, you know, this is, it's just part of the reality about what's going on with this trafficking and everything underground, and I don't believe it stopped. Oh, you can read this one, Aaron. Thomas alleges that there were over 18,000 of the short graves at the Dulce facility. He has also seen tall reptilian humanoids. One of us has, had come face to face with a six foot tall reptoid, which had materialized in the house. Rep, the reptoid showed interest in research maps of New Mexico and Colorado, where, which were on my wall. The maps were full of colored push pens and markers to indicate sites of animal mutilating caverns, the locations of high UFO activity, repeated flight paths, abduction sites, ancient ruins, and suspected alien underground bases. The security level goes up as one descends to the lower levels. Thomas had an ultra seven clearance. He knew of seven sub-levels, but there may have been more. Most of the aliens are on levels five, six, and seven. Alien housing is on level five. The only sign in English was one over a tube shuttle station hallway, which read two Los Alamos. Connections go from Dulce to Page, Arizona facility, then to an underground base below Area 51 in Nevada. Tube shuttles go to and from Dulce to facilities below Taos, New Mexico, Datil, New Mexico, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Creed, Colorado, Sandia, then on to Carlsbad, New Mexico. There's a vast network of tube shuttle connections under the U.S., which extends into a global system of tunnels and subsidies. All right, and the last one on this, um... And then we'll move on from Dulce. Uh, this is this is one fact that the reptiloids have tried to hide from humankind, both terrestrial and extraterrestrial. Also, there are accounts suggesting that the reptiloids and greys are, in fact, breeding profusely and reproducing themselves via deep sun, subterranean polyembryony cloning and incubation facilities below Dulce and elsewhere and are not as overextended as they might have us to believe. Some estimate that at the very least, 20 million greys are now actively operating under the surface of the planet Earth within bases or within natural cavern systems. According to others, 20 million is a conservative estimate. Interesting. And these are actually allegedly real photos, by the way. Um, we don't know if they're real or not, but that's the claim from Underground Adulce. You decide. And then if you guys caught our episode recently with Jessica Jones, 
She goes on to talk about the cryptid breeding program, some of the SSB bases, the under the government portals cloning. Uh, so we go over her remote viewing data of the underground bases in that episode. Um, if you want to go check that out, that link is below in the description. And then we're going to let John Lear tell us about the Las Vegas tunnels, because this is this is really uh, fascinating to me. Uh, so they have been uh, doing some very uh, nasty things up at the test site. Uh, and they are in complete control of the new um, secret test site, which is halfway between Tonopah and uh, Groom Lake. It's located on Paiute Mesa, and it's a, about a mile underground. There isn't much to see in the desert, but I noticed this huge white area uh, up on the Paiute Mesa, and I can, couldn't figure out what made it white. Well, it turns out that what I was seeing was they had taken off the top of a quartz mountain, which turned the ground white, and they were building the secret test site laboratory uh, a mile under, uh, under the ground. Now, when they got ready to open this, uh, they needed 4,500 people uh, from Las Vegas uh, to work there, and they had to get them 4,500 people uh, to the from uh, Las Vegas to the test site, which is about 110 miles away, without anybody finding out. Now we know that though uh, there's uh, six Boeing 737, those white with the red stripe, uh, that take people to the Tonopah test range and group like they couldn't use those because they didn't want anybody in that program to know about the Paiute Mesa secret program. So what they did is at the cost of $2.6 billion, they built a subway, a maglev subway underground uh, that started the first main terminal was at below 100 feet below the Luxor, uh, then to the Bellagio, uh, and then up to Paiute Mesa, which took about 20 minutes. And the reason they picked the Bellagio was they made a deal with Steve Wynn to use his underground parking because there were so many people that needed a place to park and they had a secret tunnel uh, that went to the terminal. Uh, since then, and that's been uh, 40 years ago, uh, they built another third terminal uh, under the Aria and that's where they uh, uh, load the passengers now and take them up to the Bayou Mesa. And what's interesting about that is, you know, all these conferences and everything are always held in Vegas. And I always wonder why And there's so much corrupt stuff going on there. And all these hotels are doubling as entrances to these underground facilities. And uh, there's just a lot of shady stuff and, you know, chaotic energies there. Like Joe Rogan says, Vegas is like mold on a piece of bread. It just doesn't belong. It just pops up in the middle of the desert. Right. And it's just like a man-made growth, you know. Um so, you know, anyone, next time you're in Vegas, you know, pay attention to the hotels. And also he goes on to say that one of the, during the construction process of some of these casinos, you'll notice that they'll take extra long. It takes longer than typical to build a hotel. Um, that's because they're most likely adding on or developing out another hub for the tunnel network for the tram system. So uh, they're using the guise of construction of a casino to actually you know, develop out more of the underground network. And then the Luxor, which he just said is the one of the hub was the original hub for the uh, to enter the tunnel system. But look, if you notice, like there's a step pyramid over here, 
then there's this pyramid. We were recently talking to Mary Beaver and she just happened to be in conversation telling us about she stayed at the Luxor one time and she got drunk with some of the employees and they started telling her that the employees were told that there are rumored underground pyramids under the Luxor and that the Luxor was built in that exact location to harness the energy from the pyramids underground. And that beam of light that you see isn't just a beam of light. It's actually a technology doing something. Uh, so it's not just a random cool architectural design they decide to throw in the middle of uh, Vegas. It's actually a, a legitimate pyramid that is actively harnessing the energies from alleged underground pyramids that uh, reside below. Right. And as a side note, do you remember the the obvious false flag uh, shooting that happened? Um, I think I believe it was right by the Luxor. And like, when was it? 2017 or something like that? Right. Um, it was like some countries. I think it was like Jason Aldean or some country singer and like 50 people died. Um, and they tried they did the typical like blame it on this one shooter, Patsy, you know. But there was like clearly at least three different shooters or more. Right. This um, more controversy. Yeah. So and it, it like was that a ritual of some kind, you know, what was that mm -hmm. there was something shady? Obviously it was a false flag, and that was the Luxor right there. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, we're gonna go ahead and let John Lear tell us about the entire western half of the continent being a shelf um that rests on top of the ocean that most people are unaware of. Oh, halfway between Las Vegas and Reno, there's a little town called Hawthorne, Nevada. And it has a little lake there. It's about 15 miles long, uh, 15 miles long, about a hundred feet deep. And when you go into town at the beginning of town, it says a big blue sign, it says Naval Undersea Warfare Center. And I always wondered what could be undersea warfare center. I mean, that lake not going to hold any submarine. Uh, so what are they doing here? I finally found out about three years ago that what they have is um, in Monterey Bay, there's an entrance. If you go onto Google, uh, you can see a canyon. And this canyon leads right up to the uh, shoreline of Monterey Bay. And the, the Navy found out that they can take their nuclear subs and go under uh, the 15 Western states of the United States. That includes uh, Nevada, California, Oregon, Washington, uh, Idaho, and so on. <clears throat> and the, those 15 Western states are floating on a plate and uh, they can navigate under that. And what they did was in Hawthorne, has traditionally across the street from the naval weapons or naval um, undersea uh, warfare center is a place where they made all kinds of uh, munitions uh, for uh, submarines. And instead of having to ship it on trucks north through San Francisco or or south to uh, San Diego, they just drive across the street. And there's a huge elevator, two elevators there. Um, and they go down 3,400 feet. The the uh, elevation of uh, Hawthorne is 3,400 feet. And these elevators go down uh, to the Pacific Ocean. And they take these uh, munitions and everything they've made there and take it down, load up the submarines. There's a submarine pen under 3,400 feet under Hawthorne. And they have about 15 to 20 submarines there at any time 
uh, and they go back and forth <clears throat> out this Monterey entrance, but they can go anywhere else uh, under these 15 states. Uh, they can go to Lake Tahoe, they can go to um, Pyramid Lake, they can go to um, um, northern Idaho, there's a, a lake up there, they can go to um, uh, the uh, uh, naval uh, base at um, Trona, I'm trying to think of what that is. Um, anyway, they can go anywhere under those uh, um, states in the submarine. So these are water tunnels? They're not channels. It's it's a, a continental plate that sits on the, the ocean there. The okay. ocean covers the, the whole thing. Continental plate. So the Pacific Ocean continues underneath half of our country and there's submarine and bases. Almost no one knows that. Right. They don't and tell us this. Exactly. And we've heard the testimonies of like them using retrofitting old submarines and for and they were like the first space shuttles used for the space program uh, they were able to put like nuclear powered um, engines on them and they're already designed to withstand the pressure underwater so they're perfect for space um, and a lot of those submarines were being launched from bases in the middle of the country actually and no one even realized it Anyway, and get, moving on, we've all heard recent in recent days, underground soldiers, army trains for operations below the surface. There's a million articles online about this. Um, it's fascinating that, you know, we hear about this whole white hat thing, this clean tunnel cleanup and everything. And that's no conspiracy that our military is training to fight underground. And then this is also from the Dulce Protocol. But it's interesting talking about this battle. It gives you kind of a new perspective. <clears throat> Although it might sound simplistic to imply that this cosmic battle is essentially being fought between the Nordic bases at near Death Valley and the gray bases near the Archuleta Mesa, the true fact of the matter is that when we are dealing with multi-leveled subterranean systems, the border zones are a little more complex than on the surface, where we have obvious horizontal borders between countries. In interplanetary warfare, the battle lines are horizontal, vertical, and in some cases, interdimensional. The battle would be one that is being waged above, below, and within our society, even though the outward manifestations of that war might not be immediately seen for what they are, unless one is aware of the real conflict behind the scenes. There are also indications that at least certain factions of the NSA, MJ-12, CIA, aviary agencies have defected from the neo-Nazi New World Order agenda of joint interaction with reptilians and greys and are now at war with the same. So this is information from the Dulce whistleblower, Thomas Costello, literally talking about what we would call the White Hats, a group that defected and is now fighting against them. And I think this is, um, you know, this... A lot of people think the whole white hat thing is all bogus and bullshit. There are groups that defect. And it's I not. think that's, yeah. And I would even add to that. And they are working with other ET races that you could, you could say are benevolent or at least don't are trying to help us and don't want these negative regressive races and, and earth-based cabal to succeed in their plans, because that would be very bad, not just for us, not just for the planet, but for them as well. Um, so it, it's it's not just that they're looking out for us. They are, but they're also looking out for their best interests as well by helping 
And that's what a lot of people need to understand, in my opinion, um, right. because it, it seems like, you know, people just can't wrap their mind around like, because all we see, we see more of this negative stuff, you know, just because of the nature of things, us being on the planet, we see all the agendas playing out, but we can't really see behind the scenes stuff too much. And we don't hear about the benevolent ETs hardly that much. Um, but, uh, you know, there are insiders that have talked about it and there are, there are experiencers that have been told this by their, their contacts. And, um, I do believe that there are benevolent, you could say ETs that are helping. Uh, so this, you know, to me, whatever we see happening that's negative is being allowed to happen. And that's, that's some comfort right there that, you know, I mean, we already see like the nuclear bases, the nuclear facilities being shut down for decades and decades like they're not allowing nuclear war it's not going to happen it's not going to be allowed because that affects them and other dimensions and all kinds of stuff um so why would they do that but then allow this crazy new world order just insane future to happen where that's gonna that's not you think that's just gonna stay on earth you think that's not gonna go all out throughout the whole galaxy and beyond come on of course it is Right. So of course them helping us now at this critical point is also helping the whole galaxy and probably even beyond and, yeah, and other sorry. races. So it, think about it, that. Well said. Uh, sorry, I'm going to speak my, my two cents <laughs> there because I, no, it's great. I see I mean, a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of, you know, people that think we're all screwed and like, um, it, it, you it's are all hopeless if, and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's just a bunch of nonsense. Well, you are, if you believe you are, um, Right. You're, screwed, you're screwed if you believe you are. Um, okay, so let's move on. We have a lot to get through. So um, this is just more examples of training underground. Um, they, I'm not going to read all this. I was going to, but it's not really necessary. But they really break down and analyze step by step how they're training and preparing these men and for what circumstances and what situations uh, they're going to be encountering. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, they they tell you all about this tunnel network and underground uh base system even in these articles and then they show even you know diagrams and plans on you know how they're going to infiltrate and blah 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 so um but this is interesting military.com u.s army leaders say the next war will be fought in mega cities but the service has embarked on an ambitious effort to prepare most of its combat brigades to fight not inside but beneath them um 572 million dollars have been funneled into training and equipping uh 26 of 31 active combat brigades to fight in large-scale submarine or subterranean facilities that exist beneath dense urban areas around the world why would the military spend 572 million dollars training <laughs> To fight underground unless there's right. an actual threat underground. Like they're not right. just preparing for nothing. You know what I'm saying? They don't, don't do things for no reason, guys. Think about it. They're, <laughs> like, they're, telling they're not going to do that unless there's a reason yeah. for the, they really need to know how to fight underground. Mm -hmm. Think about yeah. it. Um, for this new type of warfare, infantry units will need to know how to effectively navigate, communicate, breach heavy obstacles, and attack enemy forces in underground mazes ranging from confined corridors to tunnels as wide as residential streets. Soldiers will need new equipment and training to operate in, condi in conditions such as complete darkness, bad air, 
and lack of cover from enemy fire in areas that challenge standard army communications equipment. I mean, it's, it's incredible to me. They're telling you this isn't even a theory. Um, so this right. is Sue, Sue Walker telling us about what's going on under the Sandia Mountains, which I find very interesting. Uh, Tilcom let us know that this facility under the Sandia Mountain is considered an information station for interstellar travelers coming to the planet. So if if you can picture going from one state to another in the United States, when you cross into a new state, usually there's a visitor and information center. It's like that. You can come, you can ask questions, you can get the local news, you can get the local technology, you can learn uh, who is friendly, who is not, um, are they going to be shot at, where are their people located, what's good to eat here, yada yada. And so the information station provided that kind of information for interstellar travelers for thousands of years. They tell us that their facility was retrofitted into the ancient tunnel system that already existed, was partially collapsed in some locations, but it, the, on the eastern side of the Rockies, there's a main line that has a lot of feeder branches off of it that go east-west. And this facility lies on that main north-south line. Used to be an underground system where you could go from south, uh, at least Central America, all the way up to the Arctic. Mm. Wow. Underground. All right, so what they told us, and I, I was concerned about that and whether or not other Earth humans or military could find them in this tunnel system. And what they told us was that if you go south of the Sandia Mountain to the very next mountain range, five, 10 miles south, um, you get into the Manzano Mountains and Kirtland Air Force Base and the Sandia National Labs, which built their laboratory in that section of the tunnel system, there was a collapse uh, right about Interstate 40, uh, there's a break between the Sandia Mountains and the Manzana Mountains, and there had been a collapse of the tunnel system in that area. The Ponte told us that the facility has thousands of miles of tunnels in New Mexico uh, that branch off all kinds of places, but there are many levels um, and that their facility was two miles deep. I don't know how deep the military excavated to retrofit the tunnel system. That I don't know. Um, the Ponte didn't seem terribly concerned um, about the military finding them or hurting them. Um, however, we have some indications that there may be interaction here in New Mexico at this facility with some Earth humans. Um, and we talked to a number of service people in this area of Albuquerque and some of the service people, and we talked to an electrician who 
signed up for a government contract job, was told to meet a van out in the desert. When he arrived at the location he was given, he was told to leave his tools. He wouldn't need them. He had to give up everything in his pockets, including his phone, his lighter. And they drove him around in this van for an hour plus until they entered into an area that when he got out of the van, it was the largest airstrip he'd ever seen, except it was underground. And wow. the vaulted ceilings over this facility were very, very high. He could not even estimate how high they were. My guess is three, 400 feet. I don't know that, but just given the images that I've been given, that'd be pretty close. This electrician did see not only craft in, in, in this hangar bay area, but also earth human looking folks that look like us walking around with short little gray guys. That's also a fascinating interview that I recommend everyone go check out. And I put that link below as well. But um, I love my favorite stuff is the testimonies like that. You know, the stories you hear from the guy, the electrician who got got, you know, access to the base. Uh, that's my that's how we learn. Like, that's how we learn about this stuff. Um, Sedona, Arizona. So we're coming near the end of the uh, tunnel or the dumbs here for what we're going to cover anyway. But um, so interestingly enough, I'm going to try and fly through these. Um, the Enchantment Resort in Sedona, Arizona is a front for an underground facility. And there's a lot of information that verifies this. Um, the, and I don't, so this is actually a, quote or a transcription from an, a coast to coast episode i found it online but it didn't say who who the guest was so i don't even know who this comes from but it talks about the vanishing sedona land convoys i have written about a lot of strange and mysterious happenings over the many years but they don't get much stranger than this and it is still going on to this day vanishing convoys and caravans the latest occurrence was just weeks ago when a local woman who lives in Dry Creek Road watched 200 or so cars pass by her place from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. The cars, she said, never came back out, as is usually the case. And this is specifically talking about uh, the Enchantment Resort, by the way. The cars, she said, never came back out, as is usually the case. I have actually, in the last 38 years, personally interviewed about 10 of these eyewitnesses myself, which in the UFO paranormal biz is not usually the case. There are underground bases or installations that I know of in this vast area, about six or so. Some are the U.S. military and several are alien or a combination of both. One I know exactly where it is is extremely dangerous, deadly dangerous. I talked about this on Coast to Coast three weeks ago with the fantastic um, Coast to Coast host, Connie Willis. Um, there is a tunnel system that connects most of them. The History Channel confirmed this fact several weeks ago on a popular show, Beyond Skinwalker, using ground-penetrating radar. Three women about 10 years ago watched on Forest Road 525 a long convoy of tractor-trailer trucks drive into the ground. I know precisely where this occurred on 525. One woman remarked, the really, really weird thing about this was not the trucks, but the ramp that they drove into the ground on the ramp 
She could not describe it for me. In a similar case, a few years after that on 525, a man was camped near the gravel road and watched hundreds of white of all white tractor trailer trucks with United Nations lettering on the trailers on the truck on all the trucks. He waited all night and they never came back out. About 1996, a courageous local woman herself drove as far as she dared to go into the canyons following a convoy of military-like vehicles. She said the vehicles were enormous and they looked up and they took up the road. Uh, there was something very strange about them, she said. He, in the early 90s, I personally knew a caretaker of one of the now bulldozed Seven Canyons subdivision. His name was Johnny. He told me that numerous huge convoys of trucks and vehicles went past his house and never came back out. I have many more stories similar to these, but you get the idea. What the fuck is back there in the seven canyons? Myself, I had, I have no idea, no clue. What is even more bizarre is that I have never run into a person that has ever seen convoys out on the major paved highways. Um, I guess, I guess, holographic entrances that only they can see. Um, and this is in Sedona. So uh, all the people in Sedona, that's a major hotspot for uh, bases and they like to build their bases on these high energy vortex areas they take advantage of that as well possibly from technology on the ground yes uh, this book again shining the light but this talks about the enchantment resort and for those who don't know there was a ufo crash in 1994 may 29th in sedona well well documented yep. actually, actually very well documented and now, I don't know if anybody, I mean, we don't hear about that one ever. It's always Roswell. Um, supposedly, several very high-ranking politicians were at the enchantment over the weekend. It is very easy to get high-ranking officials into enchantment through the tunnel system. Enchantment, you understand, is a front. It says, but is a front, or is sort of a front. Um, enchantment is a front. Yes, regardless of who owns it, which is why the RTC took over. Well, it just makes it easier to have a government own it, even though it's a branch of the government that's a little bit independent, it's easier. But the reality is that even if you were to buy and run it as a resort, as it has been, you're sort of buying something while somebody else has the right to use it in the contract. So it's like, yes, you can run it as a resort. But when these people want to use it for something, they're going to use it. And that's that. You can't do anything about it as the owner. That's part of the reason, probably half the reason why no one can really make that property work financially, because you're trapped by the clauses of the government saying they were going to use it when uh, we want to use it. So can you get down underground from enchantment? No, you don't actually get underground right from enchantment. They could and they'd like to you know there are some private homes still out there but it's easier for them to just kind of show up there are a lot of means you know you drive a vehicle out of something and who's to say where the vehicle came from um you mean the entrance to secret canyon is so big you could take like a c-47 that had a car and fly it down there and just drive the car is that what you're saying? No, that's not necessary. You don't understand. The tunnel system leads quite some distance away. Let's just say this damn zoom window is killing me. Uh, let's just say this. Let's just say this. 
you know where the uh, Navajo Depot is. It is a military base not too far from Flagstaff. Right now, it is being changed over from a National Guard base or something like that, but it is essentially a military base. You could land a plane there, discharge the people on the plane who might be dressed like anybody who would get off there, or land a helicopter there, and the people will get off and get into a vehicle and drive somewhere. It wouldn't be difficult to disguise a means of their driving into one of these tunnels. And from that point on, other than driving underground, it'd be just like you're out for a drive. And you can drive essentially from base from that base to any number of the very any number of various clandestine places where one might land a helicopter and access the tunnel system. You just drive along and you come up to this place. How do you get to the enchantment then? You drive to the enchantment underground. Um, then how uh, then how do you get on top? Say you want to go have lunch. Why is this not working now? You want to read this one there? The tunnel has access, you understand. Just think of it as a garage door, even though it's considerably more sophisticated. For a long time now, the government has had the capacity and other civilizations before you had the capacity to have military bases inside mountains. The military naturally loves that kind of thing. It sounds very much like a giant conspiracy, but when you think about what is involved and when you think about taking it back to its infinitesimal level, how often for the best of reasons do even friends deceive each other? A surprise birthday party is a deception, even though it's done benevolently. You must remember, and it is a tough thing to say, but it is it is really true, that a certain amount of deception, even benevolent deception, is natural in the human race as you now exist. So if you take it to extreme levels, you know it can get out of hand. So you've got these pirates who are mostly based underground at Secret Canyon rather than at... The pirates are not based underground. Where are they? They are not based underground at Secret Canyon. They are not based on Earth at all. The closest thing to a base that they have is on the moon because they're mining the moon. The shadow government can't really do anything about it. The shadow government, by the way, is their term for the cabal or the deep state. Right. In that book. Uh, I'm only going to play a portion of this. This is um, now we're going to move into the national park system. This is just Kimberly McGeorge talking about. Um, what goes on at these national parks and how they lead to this underground network as well. Kimberly McGeorge, NDCNH, and I tried to record this earlier, and shocker, my phone went dead. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about national parks and state parks. And yes, they're protected because they're beautiful areas, but mainly they're protected because they're ley line areas. And most of the ley lines in this country and around the world, not all of them, most of them, or a majority of them, are held by dark force energies. And because they're held by dark force energies, underground bases and things have been um, built under these parks as well as entrances um, that have been there for centuries, I guess, uh, to inner earth. So you can literally stumble into a world where you can't navigate and you may not be able to get out. Also, there's a lot of portals because of the ley lines and just the portal energies in these parks. So a lot of times when people are disappearing, they're not being taken by dogmen, they're not being taken by Sasquatch, they're not being taken by aliens. I mean, they might be, but literally they're walking into other worlds. They're walking into inner earth. They may have stumbled into a base because there's a lot of holographic coverings um, that people inadvertently, because people are dumb and people are nosy and people can't see the dimensions. And so 
they can't navigate some of these places and so they get themselves in things that they can't get out of. Yes, some people are picked off the trail um, and brought for experimentation and lose time and all of that. Yes, some people are killed by crazies on things like the Appalachian Trail and stuff like that. Not saying there's not logical, quote, 3D explanations, but a lot of the David Pilates um, 411 stuff is BS. He knows what's going on. He's a paid informant. He's part of the whole thing. Um, he's been proven to be a liar on many occasions. And um, so a lot of this, in my opinion, is they're walking through portals and they're not being able, you know, to navigate their way back out or maybe a one-way portal. Um, because of the ley lines, they're walking into inner earth again. They're not being able to get back out. They may be in a base. They might not want them to get back out. So a lot of these disappearances or deaths are a result of not necessarily super mystical stuff, but definitely things that most of you aren't familiar with that some of us are. And that goes on and on. But um, for the sake of time, we're just going to move on. Um, this is Allie Carter. I included this because um, she is such a brave soul. And to be honest, I don't know where she's at right now. I've reached out to her a number of times. Um, she hasn't been um, active online for months now. So uh, hopefully she's okay. Uh, but she is bravely blowing the whistle on some very yeah. disturbing things and name dropping. And we're just let her explain a little bit of that to you. And real quick, Tyler, before you play that, we are right about the two hour mark yeah. right now. So um, do you want to do you want to wrap this up pretty soon as part one? Or... Uh, we we could do that. But we still have, you know, the Antarctica stuff to go through so we can finish. Well, I mean, up just it. yeah, at the end of the like underground base. Section. Yeah, we can finish up the underground base part and then um, we'll we'll make the hollow earth and the Gartha network one, maybe part two um mm -hmm. otherwise we're going to be here for a minimum of three hours and four uh, hours yeah <laughs> well three i mean we'll be definitely it, it should take about an hour it's already two yeah i mean yeah, right so I, I can't imagine being less than three hours um, um okay well yeah sorry just wanted to yeah yeah that's fine we're at the two hour mark okay well here we go You made claims about Barack Obama and Joe Biden that shocked the world. How did it get there? Take us through your story. Well, you know, I, as, as young as I remember, um, I've been trafficked through many elite places. Um, I went from the Buckingham Palace to uh, under the Getty Museum in Los Angeles still under the uh, custody of Child Protective Services, uh, the child welfare system. Um, and everybody is so worried about the elite and we could give those names of Barack Obama, Joe Biden. We know about Michelle Obama, that's a man. We know about um, Too Short. We know about Akon and Steven Tyler and we can give those names all day and everybody is so worried about that. But what you should be worried about is the people that are in between, the people that go as low as your grave diggers. I was trafficked to people within my schools. Uh, I was trafficked in underground tunnels that link under your schools, uh, through your cemeteries, under uh, your, your amusement parks, through Universal Studios and into Hollywood elite homes um, all over the place, all over the world. And people don't understand that and they can't fathom that and they can't put that together. But if you think about the things that have come out that can't, excuse me, come out lately, and there's 200 children missing, and there's 300 children missing, what what Amber Alert did you receive? How many times do you receive an Amber Alert every every year? And if you think about that, how many children are coming up in your face 
that have been tortured and abused like this. It exists and it's real and people don't want to face it. It happens in your schools, your schools every day as your grave diggers, your trash men. Everybody is involved, but everybody is looking at the top and that's just a small percentage and you really need to look at the people in between. Okay, so that goes on, but I mainly wanted to play that clip because she blows the whistle on the tunnel network that, that again it's not just military bases and ets the traffickers are using it as well and um i link her whole youtube channel below so if you're interested in hearing what she has to say she doesn't only blow the whistle on that she talks about how the sports are rigged she talks about the mk ultra blueprints which i've never heard anyone else talk about absolutely fascinating um <clears throat> This is also from Brad Olson's book. Um, do you want to read this one, Aaron? Sure. The Nazi we're moving on to Antarctica. Ant yeah, Antarctica now, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, we're in Antarctica now, obviously. In 1938, the Nazis sent a large team of explorers, including scientists, military units, and building crew on warships and submarines to the Queen Maudland region of Antarctica. While mapping the area, they discovered a vast network of underground hot springs flowing out to rivers and forming massive caves under the ice. One of these caverns extended as far as 20 to 30 miles and contained a large geothermal lake. The cave was explored and construction teams were sent to build a city-sized base dubbed Base 211 or New Berlin that hosted the SS anti-gravity scientists and the Thule Society, serpent cults of various Nazi occultists, the Illuminati, and the other shadowy groups who fled on U-boats just before Germany surrendered in World War II. After the Allies claimed unconditional victory in World War II, Secretary of Defense James Forrestal sent a naval task force to Antarctica in 1946, including Admiral Nimitz, Admiral Krusen, and Admiral Byrd, and given the operational name High Jump. Over 4,500 4, military troops from the U.S., Britain, Australia, consisting of three naval battle groups, departed Norfolk, Virginia on December 2nd, 1946, led by Admiral Byrd's command ship, the icebreaker Northwind, and consisted of the catapult ship Pine Island, the destroyer Brownson, Brownson the aircraft carrier Philippine Sea, the U.S. submarine Senate, two support vessels Yancey and Merrick, and two tankers Canisteo and Kakapon, the destroyer Henderson, a float plane ship Kuratuk, and a torpedo boat named Maddox, which was sunk. According to a researcher, Frank Joseph, the USS Maddox was either a torpedo boat or a torpedo carrying destroyer. He goes on to explain what may have happened to the Maddox mentioned in a declassified Soviet report. Right. So um, that's, that. <clears throat> yeah, we're just talking about, you know, this is, the Germans, uh, they had been going to Antarctica for a long time, even before 1938. There was an expedition in like 1908 yeah. or early. Yeah, before before the 30s, even. Yeah. And, you know, the Nazis have been exploring that area for a long time. And we'll get we'll get into some of that in the second portion of Hollow Earth and Agartha. But um this is from divinecosmos.com. Antarctica is not a wasteland. There are a series of large habitable regions underneath the ice of Antarctica that are host to certain groups, including those of the Cabal. This works much the same, much the same way as an igloo in Alaska, where even though the walls are made out of ice, a small fire inside can keep it nice and warm. Natural ice caves are created by heat of subsurface volcanic activity. There is land you can walk and build on, breathable air and running water. 
access to Antarctica is strictly controlled, meaning we cannot just go and check it out for ourselves. The freezing cold of the surface area makes it very difficult for any individual or group from our ordinary world to go sightseeing. The freezing cold, oh, I just read that, same one. <laughs> According to the 94-year-old space engineer William Tompkins, there are also two much larger habitable caverns off to the right of Antarctica. Their combined landmass is quite significant, dwarfing the size of either the largest two ovals on this map. They are almost vertical on a slight diagonal angle and run from the top of the continent to the bottom, creating a vast amount of livable space. Each red circle corresponds to an area that has been developed and has people living there comfortably right now. These areas also show up on heat maps of Antarctica as visible volcanic hotspots. So I guess some, I guess there's four or five circles here that would indicate locations of underground bases, but um, that's probably, I'm sure there's many more than that. And then Draco bases in Antarctica. You can read this one there. Both of these enormous strips of land are under exclusive control of reptilian ETs known as the Draco. According to Pete Peterson, the Cabal has often referred to this type of ET as Saurians. They have vast, densely populated cities in these areas composed of buildings that are far more high-tech than anything we see on the surface. The Draco are on the losing end of a war throughout the galaxy that has, been, that has beaten them back into our solar system and a few neighboring ones. The Draco have built vast cities in these two caverns below the Antarctic ice with populations numbering at least in the millions. Their total population numbers in our solar system could now be as many as 7 billion, comparable to our own native population on Earth. We are protected from them by benevolent ETs that will never allow them to do more than we have invited by our own collective free will. Furthermore, their time here on Earth is very likely about to come to an end. So, yeah. There you go. And then this, this is really interesting. I, you know, we know all the nations have a piece of the game in Antarctica, but interestingly, in December, on December 16th of 2020, Antarctica was rocked by 30,000 tremors in three months. Well, so this that's when this uh, article was written, December 16th, 2020. But in a three-month period during that time, 30,000 tremors in three months. So what was actually going on down there? And there's a lot of, you know, intel that we don't know if it's true. It's not really, it's really hard to verify anything that comes out of Antarctica, but uh, there's a lot of movement down there and um, other countries are moving down there, setting up shop while other countries are moving out. There's clearly some uh, activity going on in Antarctica, even currently. And then this is really interesting. And I include this because it has the British soldiers actually discovering the German base and what they discovered in Antarctica, 1945. Operation Tiberian, British or Britain's secret wartime expedition to Antarctica, 1944 to 1946. <clears throat> he claims that British soldiers from the secret Antarctic Maldheim base found the entrance in late 1945 and followed the tunnel for miles and eventually they came to a vast underground cavern that was abnormally warm. Some of the scientists believed that it was warm geothermally. In the huge cavern were underground lakes. However, the mystery deepened as the cavern was lit artificially. The cavern proved so extensive that they had to split up and that, and that was when 
the real discoveries were made. The Nazis had constructed a huge base into the caverns and had even built docks for U-boats. And one of, and one was identified supposedly. Still, the deeper they traveled, the more strange visions that they were greeted with. The survivor reported hangars for strange planes and excavations galore that had been documented. By the way, this is from the book uh, Secret Journey to Planet Serpo. I just forgot to put that book cover in here. <clears throat> they entered an enormous cavern illuminated by official artificial light. In his account, the SAS agent says, as we looked over the entire cavern network, we were overwhelmed by the number of personnel scurrying about like ants. And what was impressive was the huge constructions that were built from what were from what we were witnessing, the Nazis, it appeared, had been in Antarctica a long time. And this was in 1945 that they were on this mission. This was the British soldiers. Um, he said he was very impressed by the advanced Nazi technology. The team was discovered and fought a heroic engagement while being chased after setting the mines in place. Only three survived the encounter, but they succeeded in detonating massive explosions at the mouth of the tunnel and sealing it to uh, sealing so there no entrance remained after being excavated. Or, I'm sorry, after being evacuated to the Falkland Islands, the three survivors were told that their mission was to remain top secret. The SAS agent says, upon reaching South Georgia, we were issued with a directive that we were forbidden to reveal what we had seen, heard, or even encountered. So this is already in 1945. Uh, they're talking about a massive undertaking under the ice in Antarctica. And it was actually... The information from this operation that made its way to Truman, which uh, sparked high jump. Um, if yeah. you didn't know, if you didn't know that, but so, they had no idea how advanced uh, right. they already were down there, and they got their right. behinds handed to them when they went down to try to try to uh, attack exactly destroy the base. All right, so we're just going to briefly touch on this. I just threw this slide in here only because this is going to start to segue into the hollow earth. But, And this is a crazy conspiracy theory that I don't know if I believe. But this is the Area 51 of Australia. We know that. But I've heard somebody claim that these, these balls, these domes, are housing for inner earth inhabitants. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true or not. And I can't... Uh, I, it does. I don't even know if that feels right, but I did hear that claim, and I just figured I'd show a picture and throw that out there, and let you decide. But it is kind of mysterious what those are for, and I'm sure there's, there's something a, going on with those. I don't know right. if that's what's going on, but there's something. I, and I'm sure there's a mainstream explanation for it. So I'm sure there's a mainstream BS explanation for it, and then right. I'm sure there's, and maybe that's like one thing that's happening, and then there's like, <clears throat> oh, but this is the right, really the real reason for them. Well, we have quite a few slides left on the Agartha Network, Shambhala, Hollow Earth. I mean, actually a lot left. So right. Um, we have 40 slides left. And there's if we're going to make this a part two, there's actually some stuff I would even like to add to the second half um, on the Hollow right. Earth that we didn't really get to cover because we were trying to do this all in one. Right. So, so now we can actually add that. Um... So, um, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. It's crazy. We've been going for two hours and 10 minutes now. Um, yeah. It did fly by even for us, but we're going to wrap it up here. And then um, part two, I guess, I don't know if you have anything going on next Sunday, Aaron, but maybe we could just 
do it next Sunday? Um, we could. Um, I don't. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll, we'll figure that out. And we'll let you know. But uh, I'm okay with that. This way, we can just while it's all fresh, you know, and mm -hmm. we can just we can just go back into it. So, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we appreciate all your support. And part two is a lot more um, enlightening. It's lighter. It's very, uh, it's, it's really positive information. And then uh, it, it talks about some of the beauty underground and not just the dark stuff. So uh, we, we wanted to end on a positive note. That's why we chose to put all that stuff at the end. So just stay tuned for the second part. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff we've uncovered, and um, you guys are gonna like part two. You're gonna yeah. want to stick around for part two. It's it's gonna be amazing. Um, yeah, thank you. And you know, this one, there was so much more we could have added to this one. Like it's in right. the, the stuff I'm finding, the books that we referenced. I mean, ever, there is so much information. We barely scratched the surface, and I'm I mean that. Right. Um, this it could be a docu series. I mean, you could really spend some time breaking down the underground bases and all that stuff. And I mean, how necessary is it really to know all the details? But uh, mm -hmm. the the idea behind this is that anybody who has no knowledge of this topic can you know visit this webinar and walk away with an understanding of what's taking place on the ground, and that's the goal. And then the next part is actually my favorite when we get into inner earth and the Agartha and hollow earth. So yeah, um, me too. I'm going to go ahead and stop my screen share here. Exit that. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Um, yeah, this was thank great. Thank you so much for your support. We love you all. Hope you have a wonderful night and uh, stick around for next week for part two gonna be yeah absolutely we can't uh we're not gonna end it yet because i'm not even on the screen for it to end the live so just hang on <laughs> yeah. Right. um yeah thank you guys for all the beautiful comments we appreciate you all being here as always um part two is going to be awesome like we said cultivating to 5d so they said they left an interesting comment on facebook we'll go check that out um and if you just got here um the replay will be available as you know um please tell your friends and family and anyone who might be interested in this. Uh, thank you and have a great evening. We love you all. Good night, guys. Love you all.